Hey everyone, it's John Kerwin here and I'm really excited as this is my podcast called Open Minded. This podcast is interviewing inspirational people from all walks of life. You know, I want to give you the real stuff that's happening every day in the minds of these leaders, how they stay well in high pressure roles, how they build resilience in themselves, how they look after their people and how can you invest in yourself and your people to do mental well-being well. So this is JK and this is Open Minded. So let's go. Well, listen, I'll, I'll kick off. Just everyone welcome in. Um, this is the third part of our support of Are You OK Day 2021, where we spoke to the amazing CEO of Beyond Blue, Georgie Harmon. Uh, then followed up with uh, with Aussie actor, speaker and entrepreneur, Sam Webb. That was, that was really cool yesterday. And today I'm delighted to be chatting again to the incredible Chantal Thompson, who is a Bakinji warrior. So she's best known as a Bakinji warrior in her community. Chantal Thompson is a three-time, three-time Jiu-Jitsu world champion. So do not mess with her. Was NADOC Sports Person of the Year 2019. In 2021, she received the medal in the Order of Australia for services to the Indigenous community of Victoria. A very proud Aboriginal woman, Chantal is passionate about inclusion diversity and mental well-being. She's got an incredible story of courage, resilience, having overcome challenges like bullying, adversity and abuse in her life. Proud mother of five, <laughs> including a three-month-old Fanau Koa Joshua. Uh, living in Dayton, Victoria, she has just come out of lockdown, which you were explaining as we came on. Um, as regional Victoria begins to sort of relax a little bit of those. We've had some amazing chats. It's been too long since we've caught up, but uh, how are you and how was lockdown? Uh, firstly, let me say hi everyone. And I would like to acknowledge and pay my respects to the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm currently residing, Lachi Lachi. And I acknowledge all Aboriginal lands across Australia and elders, both past, present and emerging, because they are our future. Um, lockdown this time was tough, John, um, JK. It was really tough in that it just felt really heavy. Um, and even though I know so much about wellbeing, I know what works for me. Some days it was really hard to get out of bed, but I was also, this time around, I was at a higher risk of um, postpartum depression after the birth of my my son who um, was born, um, very grateful that he was born healthy, but I had a very traumatic birth experience. So there were so many factors that put me at a higher risk of um, really falling into depression again and just not being okay. And with yesterday being Are You Okay Day and just everything that's going on, I just want everyone to know it's, it is really okay to not be okay during these times even if you have a roof over your head like there's so much to be I have so much to be grateful for but I also acknowledge that my feelings are valid at the same time. I think that's really interesting because uh, I was talking last week I wasn't ready for our we're just back in lockdown in New Zealand and we're, we're three weeks in I wasn't ready Chantal I was not ready and I don't know why it's really stupid of me because if you look out at the world you guys have been in lockdown 100 days or whatever that looks like you know, my wife's in Italy, 35,000 people infected a day. I should have known that something was going to happen, but I didn't. And I got really, really anxious. And I had to really take some time to, you know, go back to my breathing, read, really look after myself. But what I wanted to talk to you um, about was the fear. Having had postnatal depression, 
in a lockdown, having having that fear of it happening again. I mean, how did you actually deal with that? Because I my fear was I'm going to drop into anxiety attacks again. I managed to grab hold of it and take back control. How did you do it? Awareness was a big one. Self-awareness was probably my greatest um, my greatest skill set this time around in that I'd already done so much work on understanding my, my past and my trauma and my triggers around um, that. But my strength in my culture and my identity has certainly been um, the saving grace in this, but also the support of my family and really having the courage to speak up when I'm not okay. Um, and leaning into my family and not going out. So, for example, um, my son's going through his four-month sleep regression at the moment, and I've had to work a lot this week. And I can hear him crying um, in the next room, and there's a lot of mother guilt because I know that I can go out and I can breastfeed and calm him, but it's also my family's response. We've raised our children in a village, so I think the biggest things that have been a game changer for me is really staying strong and grounded in my culture, making sure every day I go outside and touch my feet on the ground, even if it's even if it's cold, um, drinking lots of water and sticking to the basics of good nutrition of two fruits and five veggies a day, even if I'm still eating other junk food and crap. It's just those keeping my movement going, keeping grounded and acknowledging when I'm not okay has been the um, the biggest thing and staying strong in my cultural practices of um, storytelling and um, smoking ceremonies are another one. How, um, it, it's really, I, I talk to people a lot about making peace with yourself and mm. sitting with your emotions. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about permission. So someone said to me, how are you this morning? I said, well, I didn't actually like myself that much when I got up this morning, which is, I just didn't like myself. Here we go again. Um, but then I actually I actually wore this colour because I thought of Willie Apiate, who's, who's a VC, um, and, I, and I thought I'd wear a, an army colour, which also got um, the JK Foundation on it, because I felt it's okay not to like yourself sometimes. You just got to give yourself permission and then move on i mean how do how do you give yourself permission just to be like that some days it's been a learning process that's been a big game changer for me and i think age uh, for me age and experience has been one i'd never really heard of that term until i started to a lot of to do a lot of self development and i got some life coaching and really started to explore because behavior is communication that's the biggest thing is um I was looking at, I was getting curious about what was my behavior communicating to me and my, so for me, it was about giving myself permission this morning. I slept in until probably an hour before we were going to present because I just wasn't feeling okay this morning. Yesterday, I was feeling amazing. Like I was on top of the world yesterday. And then today, even though we're coming out of lockdown, I just had this big deep dive and I got curious with it. I let myself sleep and, um, I had some cuddles with my older kids and, <clears throat> excuse me, and the beautiful thing is I was able to actually be honest with them and to say, actually, I'm, I'm not okay. But I think the difference between this time and where that would have happened in the past is that I can sit with my emotions but not be controlled by them. And I think that's been the biggest difference is that I give myself permission to feel my emotions. I acknowledge them and I get curious about them. And sometimes that just means accepting them that I don't need to know where they're coming from. 
I just need to accept them and but ensuring that my behavior doesn't deteriorate to the point where I'm putting myself um, at risk of going into a, a longer depressive state has been a game changer for me. I think it's a it's a really important point because <coughs> I went to a guy the other day and we were talking about you are not your emotions. And um, I was, I'm reading this book because one thing that I've done is what am I going to get out of COVID? Because it's taking so much from me. What am I going to take back from COVID, you know? Um, and one thing I've said is I'm going to spend as much time as I can educating myself around things that I can do to make myself feel better. So I was talking um, to this guy about, um, you know, this book called The Confidence Gap. And it talks about you are not your emotions. But the, the perception that we have, we've sort of been brought up, no one's fault, we've sort of been brought up to have guilt around how we feel or what we should be doing. Like, for example, how did you deal with the guilt this morning of spending an hour in bed? Because you actually deserve it. We deserve it. But it's actually that, that guilt shark that keeps coming in and saying, you should be getting up. You know, you should be this, you should be that. And I think sitting with those emotions is a bit of a technique that we all need to learn. Shoulds are a, a game killer for particularly for women when you've got so many like competing priorities and we have imposter syndrome, we have self-worth syndrome and different things. But for me, I have I, I've started to give them names, the little voices that sit inside my head. And for anyone, I highly recommend um, watching the um, I think it's Pixar Inside Out. And it just it's a cartoon that talks about all the different emotions in your head and um for me, I just, I give, I give them names and I make friends with them in that it was okay that I felt guilty. And it's almost like we have this either or state that we, that society's told us we have to be, and you either have to be happy or, or angry. You can't be both at the same time. Whereas for me, I've made peace with the fact that I felt guilty. I also wasn't feeling okay. So my guilt was at me that I wasn't feeling okay and that I was actually taking time in bed. But I knew that by taking that hour that that would give me back the rest of my day versus if I tried to force myself to get up and get on with it, I potentially would have um, spiraled out of control through the day and just gotten worse as I went. Whereas if by gifting myself that, that small amount of time, it allowed me to show up to my emotions, but it also allowed me to show up to my responsibilities and my commitments so that I'm not derailing my whole day or potentially other things that I have in place and my kids see this and I'm role modeling this for my kids the other day on Monday my daughter said mom I need a mental health day like I'm just not feeling it can I just sleep in and um, I'll get up and I'll and I'll go for a walk later on in the day because that's the deal we make is if we know we're not feeling well it's we allow ourselves to to sit in the emotion but then we also get up and we get outside because we know getting out of our own heads and getting back into our body and getting in touch with the world is is a way forward through the emotion. I think that's I think that's such good advice because what I spent um, a lot of my life doing was um, living up to perception that wasn't actually real. I mean, yeah. did anyone really give a shit you stayed in bed? No. No. But we've got this perception that we should be something that actually is quite irrelevant because you will get up and you will work hard. And I think I think sitting when when we talk about sitting with those emotions. That's, that's really important. The other thing I, I, I often talk about is connection. And I know connection has been incredibly hard for all of, 
all of you on on this call and all of us in general but how have you been connecting during lockdown and what would you say to people that are still in it like we are or you know what's connection for you because you sport you spoke about putting your bare feet on the land of your forefathers so that's pretty special what do you feel when you do that is that connection for you Look, it's been, it's been really hard because as an athlete, um, just getting back into training, I was just starting to get into the swing of things and we went into this into this lockdown and not being able to get to the gym. Being a big family woman, I have um, a lot of my nieces and nephews are like my own kids and stuff like that. So connection, in-person connection is a big part of who I am and my culture. But at the same time, I've had to give myself a bit of a kick up the butt lately and say, well, this is the reality like virtual connection is can be just as meaningful to me if I give it the space to become so and by me embracing the current state of things while I'm working towards the world that I want to have has been a big game changer in balancing my approach to things because through virtual technology we can all be here together today and I know that a lot of people are zoomed out and stuff but I'm choosing to embrace it in a different way to go well it's bringing the opportunities that I wouldn't otherwise have. I'm not based in a big city anymore. I'm based regionally. So connection for me is about the intention that I bring to the moment, whether it be virtually or in person. And even if you don't, even if you live in an apartment building, get a pop plan and being able to hold a little bit of dirt in your hands and, and just rubbing it over yourself is still a connection to the natural world. So I think it's about doing what you can with what you have and accepting that the reality for what it is rather than the subjective experience that we want it to be. So for me, going outside and connecting to my mother's country, putting my feet in the water where I can. Um, the other day I couldn't get out because I wasn't feeling well. So I put some water in a little bucket and I went and sat outside and I just pretended to myself that I was down the river I was with my family and that really lifted my spirits up. So it's that balance between doing what I know I can do and being a bit disciplined to go, okay, that's how you want things to be. But the reality is, is that they can't be like that right now. So giving myself a bit of tough love to make the best I can with what I've actually got. There's a beautiful Māori saying, and if there's anyone out there who, who can speak te reo, I'd love for you to translate it for me and teach me how to speak it. But I, I listened to it and it, say, and it says that if we want to have hope and faith in the future, we must first stand on the shoulders of the past. And I know when I looked into, especially Māori mental health, is Tifara Tapawa, which is, you know, the foundations around um, building a pa and, and, and building a house where your family can stay and the construction around that, which is actually emotional, which is beautiful. What, what are some of the things you've learned from your Aboriginal um, culture that's maybe possibly been lost, but it's great around mental health and connection. You talked about the smoking ceremony and, and connecting back with land. What's some of that stuff that you've really reconnected with? Well, it's been lost to me, but it has never been actually lost. There's so many people who are remembering our culture through ancestral memory, people who have never been taught from, from an elder how to do what they're doing, but they're remembering through their spirit, through the practice of our culture. And some of the Didiri is something that I would invite everyone to go and have um, a look at. And it's D-A-D-I-R-R-I. There's a TED talk on it. There's a lot of information out there. And it's Aboriginal Australia's um, gift to the world as Annie Miriam Rose, who is um, this year's uh, Elder of the Year, Senior of the Year, I believe. 
and she's from the Northern Territory, and she, Didiri is, all of our languages have um, a word for deep listening. And, but not just deep listening, they, my aunties often catch us when we're talking too much. And she goes, there's a reason you were given two mungas and one mimi, to listen more than you speak. And it's so true, like actually creating space to listen to our hearts, listen to our bodies, that innate knowing and intelligence that um, our hearts and our bodies come with over the noise that can happen in our head from social conditioning. So for me, some of the cultural practices is smoking ceremonies and people might know it as smudge sticks or, or sprays and oils are a, a big thing as well. It can be the act of movement without thought. It's just about finding a way to still the mind enough that the body can just catch up and just be for a little while. So being is a big part of our culture, just learning to be without the doing or without the needing of some sort of achievement or outcome at the end of it, connection and deep listening. So deep listening to self, to country and to others are probably some of the biggest practices that I've taken part in and being creative as well in whatever way, shape or form my skill sets come through. Uh, re really interesting because... I was listening to a podcast the other day and look, th th this is an amazing thing. What we're on, how we're communicating now. So it's the sort of problem and the solution. But, <laughs> but, but it was really interesting because someone said to me the other day that we can't get bored anymore. So every time we've got some downtime, we're looking at the phone or, and so our brains have got so used to this movement all the time in the head. You know, we get more inputs in one day than our grandparents had at a lifetime. So how did you actually train to stay at peace with that, not having to worry about stuff, just, just really be in the present? How did you deal with, I don't know if boredom's the right word, but how do you just accept, this is okay, I can be, my mind can be drifting off. Did you have to work at that? Oh, 100%. It's, it's like anything, I had to practice it. And I, I'm still practicing it. Everything that I talk about, I'm not an expert in. I'm living this practice every day. And some days I get it right. And some days I royally screw it up in that I'm trying to teach my kids how to be off their technology. But for me, like being on social media is a part of my job as well. It's a part of me getting the information out there. But I've noticed, I think probably the biggest thing that's made it a lot easier this time around is actually my infant son is I don't want him sitting in my lap and all he's seeing is another bloody screen in, in his face all the time. So it's been really important to just become disciplined. Um, so some of the things that I've done is I put a timer on my phone and I don't allow myself to um, be on there any longer than after that time has gone off. And I intentionally leave my phone in my office now. I've, I've got a watch, but I've also got an alarm clock in my room so I don't have the excuse of taking my phone to bed. My kids have a central place that they have to leave their technology um, uh, like an hour before bedtime. So for me, like the phone is the greatest thing, but I say to the kids, we have the power to turn it off. It has an off button for a reason. We can turn our data off so that the people can still call or text if there's an emergency. But I think it's about cultivating, understanding why I need to do it in first and why it was important because I looked at the consequences of being addicted to my phone and what it was actually doing to me. But what was it teaching to my kids? It would make me consistently anxious. Um, like I'm on social media a lot through my role, but I don't have a big social media following. And that's okay because I'm not out there to get 100,000 followers. I'm out there to have an impact and share what I need to share. And if it only impacts one person, then that's enough 
for me, but it's also about being that role model and leading by example for others. So yesterday I did uh, three speaking gigs in the morning and then I had to record some video content. But once I was done, I took my phone and I put it aside and I just literally sat outside with my son and my brain did get bored. I was like, man, now I understand why some people, especially young people, find this so hard. But it's just a form of training. And even if you only do five minutes at a time, you can incrementally increase your practice of switching off. So here's a question. Any, to any listeners out there that want to um, ask us any questions, especially Chantel, yeah, please do. just chuck it in the chat and I'll, I'll pass those forward. So here's a question for you as a, as a dad and as a mum. So when you say to the kids, that's going in that little box in the corner. Oh, come on, mum. You know, everyone else uses it. Everyone else takes it to bed. Why do I have to do that? How did you answer that one? Because that's a tough one. I go back to my cultural parenting. I don't give a shit. Put it in. I'm not arguing. I'm not debating with you on this. Put it in there. And I, I say you can either go without it for the hour and until tomorrow, or you can go without it for a week. Like the more you argue with me, the more time I add on to it. And I'm really um, non-negotiable around certain things because I know that we need to train ourselves to be that. And I can be really, really strict with my kids. It's um, like, I remember my grandma and I used to get the stick around the back of the legs if, if we answered back too much. Not that I do that to my kids these days, but I think my children know when I've got a certain tone that I'm not, that it's the non-negotiable namika that's in front of them. And I said, well, you either give it to me without arguing or the more you argue, the more I extend the time that you have without it. But they've started to do it themselves. Like I've got three teenagers. They've actually started to do it themselves. They're, they're starting to realise, my daughter said to me, she, my son said to me, actually, he goes, I actually get bored and lonely in my room after after a while, Namika. And he'll put his own device away and he'll come and venture out into, we have a balance. We allow them their space to do it their way, but we also don't have TVs in the room. And we have, after a set time, we have no technology and that includes uh, mum and dad. Beautiful. Shanta, can you just spell the, someone's asked about the Aboriginal world. So it was D-A-D-A-R-R-I. Yeah, I've just put it in the... Um, in the in the chat awesome where can we find that so i would just google um just google it and you can um it'll bring up a whole heap of stuff but there's a there's actually a ted talk around it as well so if you put the into the ted talk search button it will come up and it's aboriginal mindfulness nice so it's are you okay has been are you okay day yesterday in in australia and how do you, how do you actually check in with your friends how do you ask them if you're okay because especially for a lot of us males out there it's hard it's hard for us well if we do ask it we don't reinforce it right we'll say you okay and, yeah sweet sweet bro yeah i'm all good but we don't actually so how do you how do you check in genuinely with your friends one i look at their behavior because behavior is communication um so if i if i have a suspicion that someone's not okay i'll go and check their social media or, or um, I'll read their body language. I'll, I'll try and hear what their nonverbal communication is, is telling me. And that way, even if it's just um, sending a text message to say, hey, I'm here if you need me, and with no, without an expectation of them to respond or to fix the situation. And obviously it's a lot different during lockdown because you can't, um, <clears throat> you can't, 
just go and be with someone in person. So for me, it's about picking up the phone and not just commenting on someone's Facebook or anything. For me, it makes me feel so special when someone actually makes the effort to pick up the phone or do a video call. Question for us both. Uh, when blow after blow has a, has arised, how do you push through or walk, work around it and make sure it doesn't happen again? I think I think the consistency of of actually um, what's happening in your life. I got taught really really important early to say um, instead of why me, because sometimes when things keep happening, you say why me? Why is this shit happening to me? Um, and if you turn that around and say, well, why not me? Why not me? And I think those things have been really important for me to then go, okay, well, why not me? If this is happening to me, how, how can I sort it out? So I should tell her just saying that there's a question for both of us. When blow after blow has arised, how do you push through it or walk or work around it to make sure it doesn't happen again? And I think what I said was, um, instead of saying why me, I say why not me. And when I say why not me, it just puts the problem where it is, and then I have to solve it. I often break it down into what I can control and what I can't control. So um, if I can't control something, I do not worry about it. If I can control it, then what I what I do is I write out a plan. What I can control, what I can't control, what I can do, and what I can't do. And so that really helps me. But I think the biggest thing for me is why not me. You know, life is this. COVID's happened to all of us. So that's the way it is. And, and sometimes when other things in my life don't go so well, it's why not me, it's life. And that just gives me that little bit of courage to say, well, and, and I don't feel sorry for myself then. Yeah, look, I think that's, that's a big one is, so for me, when I first moved away, like I'm, I'm the matriarch of my family because my mum's passed away, my grandmother's passed away. And I've always been the one to keep the family together. So when I first moved to Melbourne, I had this expectation that everyone would love me as much as I love them or that they would show their love in the way that I love to show my love, which is to be together and be really open with it and exuberant with that energy. And I was actually making myself sick to the point where I would come home and I would get really resentful with my family because they weren't as excited to see me as I was to see them. And I went to a psychologist and he was actually my um, sports coach as well, mindset coach as well. And he actually challenged me one day. He goes, Chantel, you're not going to like what I'm going to say to you. And I know that you're going to get angry and not want to talk to me for, for a few days, but that's okay because you need to hear this. And he said to me, he goes, you're actually the cause of your own problems because you're not loving people for who they are and how they're showing up. You're wanting them to show up for you in the way that you want. And that's actually causing you, you're, you're causing more of your own pain. And I was like, wow. And another person that I've heard speak like this, um, I think I read it in the Becoming book by Michelle Obama about Barack when he was on the campaign trail. And he would say to his constituents that it's better to work in the world as it is and accept reality for what it is whilst you work towards the world that you want, because that way we're balancing our own aspirations and, and the things that we want to be without whilst accepting things as they are, I think has been a big game changer for me because it's like, I, I know people that have just, and myself, when you've just had, after I had my son, he ended up in a special care nursery. I didn't get to have a natural birthing on country, which I really wanted this time around. But when I surrendered to things as they were, but I also allowed myself the pain and the grief and the, I got the support I needed to process 
um, those things. But I also realized that if I didn't, if I didn't get on with it and didn't give myself some tough love, that those that needed me would fall apart. So it was that balance of showing up for myself and giving myself the space I needed and getting the help that I needed was really important as well in the way that worked for me. So I didn't go to a four-walled counsellor. I went to people from my own community who um, are skilled and um, qualified in this area to help me from a cultural perspective, but still keep me safe. But also in my own mind, I let myself feel the guilt, the grief, all the emotions that were there. But I also kept the my loved ones in my sight. I kept a photo of my kids next to my bed to go, I need to get better for them because they're what's worth fighting for. They're what's worth showing up. That's what's important. And I don't want to stay this way forever. Um, there's another really great question here. How can I support my partner if she's struggling with work pressure? I try to empathise, then end up defaulting to giving directional advice, which I don't feel is helping or productive of any ideas. We, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Like I just want to rescue people and I just want to give um, ideas on what they can do to challenge the situation. But my daughter's actually been educating me as to how to show up for her. Have you thought about asking your partner how she wants you to show up for her in, in those moments? Um, like actually saying, well, what can I do to support you? And sometimes it's literally just being an ear to help, um, help them just offload everything that's causing them stress and saying, well, can I help you with solving that? Do you want to, do you want to brainstorm how we can actually fix that? Or do you just need me to be here to listen? And sometimes just doing, finding something that you know that she or he will love, um, that your partner will love and doing something special to just let them know that you're there. But I think oftentimes we're to, we're, it's uncomfortable for us to witness someone that we love in pain especially being a mum, it's like you or a parent, you want to go and rescue your little one. But if you notice little ones when they're learning to walk, just because they fall over and hurt themselves doesn't stop them from getting up and trying again. And if I, as a parent, default to I'm rubbing their knees and going, it's okay and, and dramatising it, they're going to stop trying or they're going to lean more into the pain than the thing they're trying to do. So I think just by being there to support them without the need to rescue them, is, is something really powerful and something that we underestimate how powerful it is actually to be, to just 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 to be there for our loved ones. I, I think that's fantastic advice because I, I was what I, what I called a reloader and I was doing this with my kids. So that my kids were asking me for advice and I actually didn't know the world they were living in and I was trying to be a father and answer it, wrong. Um, I read a book called Learned Optimism actually, which was actually just going on the journey with them and actually asking them another question and then saying, well, I don't know how to deal with this. Let's work it out together. But I think there's another little thing. Um, you know, people say to me, you know, how do you have balance? And I don't think you have balance. You manage your imbalance. So the other thing besides Chantal's advice that I would give you is say, okay, work is a pressure. And it might be pressure. It might be, you know, full on the whole time. But once you walk out of that office, let's work together on switching off, right? You've got to learn how to park this. And when I said before, we've got all, you know, we've got, unfortunately you can catch up on your emails after dinner you can catch up on a sunday morning so work life um, has blended into just life and so i think it's really really important to try and learn those little techniques to say okay when you work out of that office there's a big switch you know turn off the light or put a cap on but you've also got to leave that pressure in this room because pressure is going to be part of life sometimes so i think um 
beautiful advice from Chantal. And then, then together work on some, some mental techniques to switch off. Is it easy? No, because like I said, those lives have, um, have, have sort of um, blurred really. JK, that's such a fantastic piece of advice. And it actually reminds me of um, when I was training in Melbourne, like, cause I'd be going, I'd wake up at four o'clock in the morning to get ready, go into the city, go to training. I'd do a weight session. I'd go into the gym and do technical training. Then I'd have to go to work where I worked with um, members of the stolen generation through, through trauma and trying to empower them to build their lives beyond the, the trauma and their triggers. And for some people, they're still so trapped in what happened to them in the past that it then defines their, their identity and the future that they have. And one thing, um, a piece of advice that was given to me was imagine that you've got a backpack for each situation. And every time you go in, you take, you take off your backpack and you leave it at the door. So when I'm walking into my office, I leave my mum roll and everything there. Like I'm, they're still a part of me, but I'm switching off, I'm switching off that role into my serving role here and having those practicing the different techniques that work for you to be able to go into your family mode and leave it behind even if you're acknowledging okay I know those emails need to get done but for the next hour I'm just going to be with my family or even just be with myself is is a really great technique and I think I thank you for reminding me of of that JK I'm going to go back to my practice of that yeah, I mean, it's not easy. And like you said before, you've got to practice it. I think one thing we've all got to practice now is how do we leave our phone behind? How do we leave it downstairs? How do we not take it to the toilet? How do we not, you know, but you've got to, you've got to train it. There's another question here. Um, how can I support my partner who has no, no motivation to do day-to-day -day tasks? I'm an essential worker and under lots of pressure. He has lots of free time and can't use it well. And I get frustrated. That's a tough one. <laughs> um like it is it is something that I'm dealing with right now and I'll be honest with you I I don't know but I've the advice I've got because I'm an on person I'm a high performing person and I get a lot of stuff done that that other people just struggle to do because a lot of the questions that I get asked or, or challenge from people is oh why do you do so much or how do you do so much you make me feel inferior well that's not my intention this is just who I am so I think something that worked for me is I had to accept who I am and that I can't expect other people to live up to my expectations because it's just not realistic um, or partner around um, what are those expectations and how um, or what's happening for him. Like why isn't he motivated or what's holding him back? Maybe he's feeling weighed down or they're feeling weighed down by um the current situation and I think having an open conversation that's out of the house away from the situation when you're both um as emotionally neutral as you can and, and go and have a conversation with him or write him a letter finding a way because he may not know that you're feeling like this I think communication is such an important um thing because I, I do the same thing with my children and my partners I'm the main income earner for our family I run a business so I'm constantly on not only am I doing my business but I'm trying to learn I'm doing some studies and I'm I've got the other stuff so it's very easy for me to get into my head and go oh well this has been conversations to go 
okay, what's a fair, what's a fair and equitable distribution of the, the home tasks and what's each other's roles and then to support each other. And if we're not showing up in the way that we've said we would be, pulling it back to the conversation and, and checking in again, I think is a really um, powerful way to, to show up for each other, but be realistic as well. Uh, yeah, and um, I'm useless at times as well as a yeah. male, um, but I just don't see shit, right? So when I was in this situation and, and you know, I'm motivated in other areas, so I think the most important thing is have your minimum. Um, and then, yeah. so, like, I cook around the house, but I'm useless at everything else. But that's the minimum. At least I'm helping in some way because sometimes, and I'm talking as a male, I just don't see that shit, right? I, like it looks clean to me and it's not, or I'm not doing the chores properly or whatever that is. But I think in a relationship, you have to go, okay, I'm not into that shit and don't want to do that shit, but there is a minimum about how our relationship's going to work. So at least do the minimum and maybe um, start with that. But that's that, that's sort of my personal, I'm just I'm just looking for something because there there's another really good question um, over lockdown, I went down a rabbit hole of COVID conspiracy and was faced with no jab, no job, was very stressed by this ultimatum. How do I learn to trust the government and move away from friends and family who are skeptical for my own mental health? I think that's a, that's a really good question. I'm just, I'm actually looking at my phone because I wanted to show you something that my friends have sent me uh, from Italy. So, you know, the interesting thing for me was there is a green card in Italy um you where you're not allowed to go out and do stuff right and i'm just trying to find it for you and the interesting thing about this green card is it was first first came out during the plague um and you had to have a green card because the plague was in italy um i don't worry about things i can't control and i think when when i think about stuff like that like i've had my first jab and when you think about things shit what if what, what if this could make me sick? You know, governments actually, some of them can be dorks at times, some of them sort of lie to get power, but the general observation for me is they care about the community and they're not going to put anyone, I don't believe, at risk. And so that's how I made peace with it, okay? And if I want to, get a, if I want to go and get a job and if I want to fly and see my family in Italy, which is way more important, then this is what I've got to do. So I made peace with it because I, I need it to do what I want to do. So, you know, if, if, if you want to suffer and, and I don't, I'm not going to judge like God and Allah judge, right? I'm not going to judge anyone who wants it or doesn't want it. However, if I get it, I know that I'll be able to fly and do that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, that, that's, that for me is how I justify it. And I don't, I don't, preach to people so don't preach to me i need to make this decision myself and like i said god will judge so if your family and friends love you you just say i don't want to talk about this i'm going to make the decision myself no one should be trying to influence you that's my opinion no jk i think that's so powerful and it is so easy to go down the conspiracy theory hole and to be dragged in by others in in our aboriginal community there's there's been such a big divide it's dividing families um with people who want to get the COVID shot and who don't and we have every reason to not trust our governments both historically and currently to not have our best wishes at heart so i think in our home we made the decision to 
have a conversation as a family and we would prefer to take the risk with the COVID vaccination than with with the Delta strain and it wasn't just about work pressures and being able to go anywhere just with the risk of my son cannot be um, vaccinated my my stepmom cannot be vaccinated so I wanted to do my bit to ensure that um, that I could protect my family and as best as I can and I think at the end of the day, it's about going to do your own research, look for credible resources of information. And if put boundaries in place with your friends and your family and say, look, actually, this is a no-go zone. You can still be with people and not discuss topics that you know are going to trigger you or, or trigger them and bring out the worst in each other. So looking at defining what you will and will not talk about um, and finding safe people who you can actually go, hey, I heard this thing, I'm really afraid, and then bringing a bit of logic and reality to it. Because at the end of the day, our doctors don't want us to get sick. And it's like JK said, it's about making your own informed choices and then kind of standing by those. The world is what it is. It's either you get the jab or you don't. And these ultimatums are in place, but I tend to focus on being more hopeful than I am more feared. And I had to have this conversation with my kids and I gave my teenagers the choice, whether they got the vaccination now or a little bit later to give them time to adjust. And they shared with me the things they were hearing and we discussed it as a family. And I think seeing their maturity and their hope for the future um, really kind of made the decision easy as well. Um, JK, we've got um, a few questions about how we can manage our mental health when returning yeah. to normal life after lockdown, having to go back to work, social settings, which can all cause a bunch of more stress with all the changes plus anxiety about COVID. Yeah, I, I was just looking at that question and what I did last time. So a few things changed for me last time. It'll be the same this time. Um, so for me, I, you know, I talk about making peace with a lot. So I'm just expecting to be anxious about some stuff. And if I expect to be anxious, then it doesn't surprise me. So I know that when I go out, I'm going to be going into some situations back into the work environment where I, I'm going to feel uncomfortable. But it's because I got used to a new norm, right? My new norm is I go outside once a day with the dog for a walk. That's it. I'm in home. I'm in my office, you know? So actually going, that, that's the new norm. And while we dream of the freedom we had before, the new freedom is going to be different. So I just need to take it with a philosophy of, hey, this is new. I, I can't go out expecting the old, right? I'm going in to expect the new. So it's going to be different. I'm going to feel uncomfortable. And it's okay if I choose not to do some things, right? I might choose not to go back into a situation that I just, nah, I don't like it for this modern world. So that's how I'm dealing with it. Uh, mentally I'm just saying this is not the old world this is the new world that I'm going to feel uncomfortable getting used to until I get used to it right I think that's why I got anxiety coming back into this one because I thought shit this is over we've nailed it but we haven't right so ooh, there we go because when I came out last time I was anxious and, and and I went back into this world that oh things have changed for me I've actually made some change you know working from home a couple of days a week there was all these things that have changed in my life so when I come out this time I'm pretty sure there's going to be a new world. Someone asked me about masks. You know, I hate the bloody things, but I've got to wear it because I don't want to be, um, you know, putting anyone out at risk. So that's how I'm sort of trying to place it. It's going to be a new world. 
that I don't know what much about. So let's just roll with it. I think that's all we can do. There is, we're not going back to the old. There is 2019 and back. That's that's going to be our history. We're all going to struggle because there is the world is very uncertain. The only certainty we have is within ourselves and knowing who we are and doing that self-work to accept that the world is very ambiguous at the moment. We have no idea of when we're going to even with the COVID vaccinations. We don't know what the other side of this looks like. At the moment, it's, it's mere speculation and everyone's scrambling to do the best they can with what they've got. So I think for me, that's that's how I go, okay, I don't know how long um, uh, we're going to be open again. We may go into another snap lockdown. And for me, spring and summertime are my favourite time of year. So to the idea of not being able to go down to the river or go camping and all that sort of stuff, I acknowledge those feelings, but I bring it back to, okay, what's what's within my control? I I'm doing the best I can with what I've got. I absolutely hate wearing masks because I feel anxious. I, I feel like I can't breathe. But it's it's another form of trying to give us protection. So for me, it's about doing the best I can. And as my kids go, mum, you're being a Karen again. My kids actually call me out on things when when I'm when I'm um, trying to buck the system and they'll be like, Namika, you've got to set a good example, you've got to follow through. So it's it's about going. Okay, this is a fact. How do I how do I get comfortable with being uncomfortable? Um, yeah, there's another good one. How would one manage working from home alone and studying to keep up with others online? How to leave that workspace when it's always there 24/7 during lockdown? How to manage the guilt? Yeah, look, the, these are and and Chantal and I have often spoken about how we've learned. You know, we've been to Helen back and we learned these techniques. You actually have to learn this stuff, and it's not going to happen overnight. Um, even if even if your lounge, you go and get changed. Go up and have a shower. Get changed. Finish work, right? And I've got an office here. I can walk out and I close the store, and I don't come back in this room unless I'm working. So if if you don't have that, just make sure you make something physical. Go and change your shirt. Go and have a shower, and say I have finished work. And you might sit, find yourself drifting, but it does take some time. And then. Um, I wouldn't worry about keeping up with others online. It's a false world. I don't try and keep up with anyone. Um, you know, you've got a job to do. I've got a job to do. And I get to decide when I should be working and when I shouldn't. When I've done a decent day's work, in my opinion, and it took me, and Chantel spoke about it before, took me a long time to come to this because if I do a Zoom like this, I need time to recover. If I do five Zooms like this, I'm frying my brain. So decide what your work is. And when you've done a decent day's work, my friend, close that door or go and get changed or do something that actually clicks you off. And when your mind wanders back, say, no, JK, you've done a decent day's work. Congratulations to you. And then try and build that over the time. I agree 100%, JK. It's about, it's about finding a way to distinguish your time and for me, I've had to get, like, I procrastinate. Like, I'm a queen of procrastination and I'm the queen of putting in big, long to-do lists that just are not realistic. And I end up letting myself down. And one thing I had to learn was what's the 20% that's going to get the 80% done, the 80-20 rule? It's, it's well worth looking up at times like this. What are going to be the one or two tasks that are really going to keep the momentum going? And I've had to do that because I've now got a 
four and a half month old son who is going to be crawling soon, who's going to be walking soon. And he has a shorter um, attention span. So my husband and I both work, we do shared um, responsibilities of staying with our baby and then the older kids at different points. So if I've got an hour in the office to work, then I actually go, right, what's the one or two things that are priority that can get me ahead? And then I, like JK said, you have your cutoff things. When I walk out of this office, I, I'm very, very conscious and intentional about Chantel, work is done for the day. You've done all you can. You've done some good stuff. And then I close that door and I go out to be with my family. And if I'm on my phone, I'm not working. I'm, I'm letting myself have my scroll. Um, I look for stuff that's inspirational and just doing something to switch my brain into a different space. And sometimes just taking a big deep breath and going, okay, I'm going to have a stretch. I'm going to pat myself on the back um, has been a big game changer. I'm just, I'm not distracted. I'm looking for a saying because I don't want to mess it up because I think it's appropriate for today. And it was actually, it was actually about males, but I think it goes right across it, And I can't find it, but it went something like my current, like modern day males are trying to live up to an antiquated, an antiquated, belief of what a male should be right and I thought wow that is so true that's probably not the exact saying and I told the guy I was going to steal a saying but like there is no work-life balance anymore people so our parents used to go home and they got in the car and nothing followed them they'd listen to one zb or they'd listen to the radio they'd go home on the weekend and they'd do the lawns right nothing followed them they'd make soup they'd go back to work on Monday right that, that is not our world anymore. So our world is one big blur where we can't distinguish those barriers anymore. So we our, our brains are not mentally equipped for the modern world we live in. And that's why people like Chantal and I want to say to people, these are psychological things that you need to learn. They're just techniques. And what's happened is this modern world, you know, around, around you know, addicted to the phone, like we've been talking about, You've got to learn these things, people. You've got to learn these things. So I think those those things are really, really important. Don't beat yourself up. Five Zooms in a row, man. Wow. You know, you're going to have a fried brain. Of course, you're going to have a fried brain. You're looking at a computer. So so give yourself a little bit of a break as well. You know, not a break from the Zoom, a break mentally. You're doing a good day's work. You're doing what you need to do. But then really try and make teach your brain how to switch off. Because where, did the hell, where the hell does guilt come from? Right. yeah where does that come from Chantal because I keep saying to myself why am I worried about this why do I have guilt about this because this is not the real world I think it's social conditioning I think it's um there's we watch a lot of movies and and stuff that put into us unrealistic expectations but we're now creating a new world and a new society and that can be really really scary but it can also be really um amazing as well because we get to design the world as we want it to be moving forward. Now, obviously, if you work for someone else, because I've been reading a lot about um, the, the situation for mums in, in Australia and around the world with a lot of women having to step back from work to, to take on board the care duties, if you've, especially with young ones. Like, it's a lot easier for me. I have teenagers. They're self-reliant. I can go and check in on them, and we've set up a pretty good system. But it's about understanding 
like where can you have the breaks like is it turning off your camera for five minutes or saying to the people on your zoom look I'm just going to stand up and stretch I'm still listening but I need to get some movement in my body when you get a five or a ten minute break go to the bathroom do some squats get some movement through your body because it can really get rid of that stagnant energy that you need to um that you need to clear and what are you doing just grab what you need. See, I've got teenagers trying to do the army crawl into the room because they don't I want to be seen. Hello. Um, <laughs> nope. I just want to be seen. Hi, no, we want to see you. Hello. Hi. How are you? Busy. I am busy, but you're more distracting when oh, you do sorry. that. Um, but I think the biggest, I think the biggest thing is, is that with these times, it's being Zoom is very tiring, and your brain can fry. Where do you have some space? There's been some mums that I know that are working until 2 a.m. just to get through um, through their workload between homeschooling and stuff. So I think it's about looking at your work schedule and it's also on employers to be realistic about what they're expecting from um, their staff and stuff. There's so much. I have I have a lot of autonomy because I work for myself, but at the same time, I've got to be disciplined because I'm working on my business while I'm in my business. So it's quite easy to get, but JK, there is no such thing as the nine to five anymore. It's it's just not the reality. So it's about understanding we have different strands that we've got to weave together. And we want those strands to strengthen each other, to not weaken each other. So doing the best you can. And if you're really struggling, getting some help is, is the biggest thing um, that I can say. And making sure that you can put boundaries in place and everything that JK and I have talked about, these aren't things we were born knowing. We learned them. We had to practice them. They don't come naturally. It's, it's finding what works for you to help you stay with your, your energy and stuff like that. But it's, it's all a practice. It's finding what works for you and being able to do trial and error. Well, that was amazing. We've, we've run out of time. Chantal, you're always amazing. Just a couple of things for people. Um, you can listen to Chantal and I's podcast and open-minded. Um, we have a thing at Mentimia called uh, care. So check in, check in with people. Are you okay? Actively listening, which we spoke about here about the two ears and the, and the, the one mouth. You don't need to have all the answers. So just listen, reassure people I'm here for you and want to listen, encourage, which is to get help if they need it. So uh, Chantal, you're amazing. I, I could speak to you for hours and hours and hours. In fact, I think we went 15 minutes over. I'm not sure. I'll probably get told off afterwards, but um, been, been amazing. You are amazing. Um, love seeing you and let's do this again sometime. No, thank you to everyone so much for your openness, your, your rawness and your courage in putting your questions forward. Sorry to those that we didn't get um to to those answers but big love to you jk and for everything that you and the team at mentor me are uh doing and i hope we get to do this again soon great to have you part of the family we'll see you soon bye thanks so much for listening to this episode of open-minded if you like the podcast make sure to subscribe this podcast is everywhere you get your podcast so make sure you do that <laughs> I don't need to tell you how, and then you'll get my new episode straight away. And if you can leave a review, tell everyone you know about it, it'd be awesome. If you could help spread the word about the show, thanks. But also, I'd love to get your feedback. You know, I'm new to this, I wanna get better, and I wanna know what you wanna know about mental well-being. So 
please reach out to us and thanks and I'll see you all soon.